The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're joined by Todd Askew, the AMA's Senior Vice President of Advocacy in Washington, D.C., who will give us an update on the AMA's latest advocacy efforts, and there are a lot. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Todd, the House of Representatives is currently taking steps to advance a $3.5 trillion social spending and tax package known as the Build Back Better Act. Um, Why don't you start by just kind of describing what's in it, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what's in it for physicians. Uh, Sure, Todd. So you're right. I mean, the House is, they're trying to consider it. It's it's really a struggle right now uh, to try and find the path forward. Um, uh, The Build Back Better Act, it's kind of a mouthful, uh, is being considered under what we call reconciliation rules. And that allows uh, the Democratic leadership in the House and Senate to avoid a filibuster uh, in the Senate, which means you only need Democratic votes to, to pass it. Unfortunately, that means you need basically all the Democratic votes because the margins are pretty tight. You can only lose three votes in the House and you can't lose a single vote in the Senate. And so that means any disagreement uh, within the Democratic caucus uh, scraps you know, the bill and they have to come to some sort of agreement. Uh, and so there are, pl- there are plenty of disagreements on the, on the current makeup of the bill. Uh, moderates uh, in the House especially have insisted that before uh, they pass the social spending part, the three and a half trillion dollar bill, uh, that the House passed, the Senate already passed uh, infrastructure package, um, which was their their initial their initial priority. Uh, the pro and the, the the progressives in the House say, well, if we uh, pass that, then the moderates have no reason to go along with us on the social spending package, which is which is a valid point. That's part of the problem they're having right now this week in trying to schedule the vote. Um, the, the, the progressives would like to see the Senate pass uh, the, the social bill, so they're guaranteed that they would have something to vote on. Uh, but the Senate hasn't even come up with an agreement on what, on what their package would look like other than you know the, the, the broad outlines. And so they really find themselves in sort of a stalemate. We don't know what the Senate bill is going to look like. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, and therefore, uh, the progressives are not really to, excited to go along in the House, and, and it's created a bit of a, a bit of a stalemate. And so, the Speaker, uh, the President, and and uh, and the uh, Senate leader, uh, Senator Schumer, are are trying to craft a path forward. Uh, we got to hope they get there because there's some really important stuff in the bill uh, that's really important for healthcare. There's uh, basically yeah, let's let's talk about that. What yeah, so, what hangs in the balance here for yeah, so, physicians? Uh, uh, so I'll mention a few major provisions of three and a half trillion dollars in that package. Almost a trillion is dedicated to healthcare provisions. The big ones, you know, some of the big ones are uh, the bill would fill the Medicaid gap in those 12 states uh, that did not expand Medicaid under the ACA. You have a lot of individuals up to 138 percent of poverty, several million of them who don't qualify for Medicaid and they don't qualify for ACA coverage. So uh, they would fill that gap with a new federal program, uh, which would would be immensely important to gain coverage for uh, more than 2 million individuals. It also makes permanent the changes uh, that a earlier bill made in the Affordable Care Act, which expanded the subsidies uh, for health care to make the the plans in the Affordable Care Act affordable for folks and also uh, provided cost sharing uh, assistance 
uh, to help with deductibles and copays for those uh, individuals with particularly uh, low incomes. And the other big, huge one, which you probably heard about, is uh, an expansion of Medicare benefits, the largest expansion of Medicare benefits basically in the history of the program and their popular benefits. It's a dental benefit, a vision benefit, and a, and a hearing benefit. And so those are getting a lot of attention. They're very high priorities for different groups of, of members of Congress. And that's why they're so desperate to try and uh, find a path forward. Now, I'm, I know it's a little bit like looking in your crystal ball, but uh, you know, as you look out here, what do you think the final package is likely to retain? Yeah, so you know, one of the problems is the Democrats are not only divided on, on what should be in the package, but how big the package should be. And of course, as you start making the package smaller to address the concerns of some of the moderates, uh, you have to start trimming benefits. And so it's pretty unlikely that if you start chopping down a three and a half trillion dollar package, that the full amount of healthcare spending is, is going to remain. They're going to have to start trimming some of the healthcare provisions. Uh, in the House, uh, though they're obviously supportive of the, of the additional Medicare benefits, a lot of the focus has been on the coverage pieces, on building on the basis of the Affordable Care Act that people have gained, millions of people have gained coverage this year under the ACA, and also uh, the, the Medicaid pieces, which uh, really hit a group of individuals who have no other options. So that's really been a major priority. Over on the Senate side, uh, particularly led by Senator Sanders, who, who heads the Budget Committee, uh, uh, they've really been more focused on the expansion of the Medicare benefits. Um, so some Medicare, the expansion of Medicare benefits was included in the House bill, uh, but like it doesn't start till 2028. And there's high cost sharing because they wanted to save money for other priorities. When the Senate, they want to move more money into those benefits. And if that happens, then something has to give. The package shrinks, more money gets spent on benefits. They're going to have to start cutting, uh, cutting elsewhere. So uh, it's, it's, that's the kind of game that's going on right now. And they're looking at ways, how do we reduce the cost of these benefits? Um, some people have floated the idea of letting the coverage pieces, for example, expire in five years, which would mean in five more years, you would have the deadline that either people are gonna lose this coverage or you have to come up with the resources uh, to extend the coverage, which is a difficult proposition in and of itself. Uh, other folks have said, well, let's means test the Medicare benefits. Uh, the American Dental Association, for one, not a big fan of being brought into the Medicare program. They've seen the troubles that physicians have had in having their services adequately uh, covered. And so ADA has suggested, well, maybe we should means test at like 300% of the poverty level, those people that can't afford um, the new, can't afford dental coverage now. Uh, problem is, most Medicare benefits are not means tested. And so that would be a whole new concept in the Medicare program. So it's really hard to discern how this is going to fall out. Um, but as I said, the talks are ongoing. Uh, the president is deeply involved trying to define not only the size of the package, but once you define the size of the package, then you can understand the changes you have to make to the policies uh, to fit that, to fit uh, in those limits. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. 
To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Yeah, uh, honestly, just listening to you describe uh, the play-by-play on this, it's enough to make your head spin and then throw on an additional complication around the government uh, funding situation. How does that affect this process? Right. So we have this this massive effort to come to some sort of agreement on the largest social spending package probably in the history of our country. And at the same time, we're trying to stop the government from shutting down uh, this uh, this week. Uh, October one federal uh, spend, federal funding is uh, runs out. And so they have to pass um, appropriations legislation. In this case, what we usually do is pass a continuing resolution that just continues along funding. Uh, for a period of time, and they've tried different uh, machinations of, of that uh, to get it through. Um, and even complicating it further, and probably the most serious of all these factors is at some point in October, uh, the government's going to run out of money. I don't mean run out of spending dollars, to, I mean run out of the authority to finance their obligations. Uh, and that means default uh, to federal creditors, to people that hold bonds, uh, but also a whole array of federal payments to people with Social Security, for example, there'll be no more money to do that. And the federal government wouldn't have any authority to to borrow the money uh, to meet those obligations. And predictions have been this would be catastrophic. I mean, not only just for the United States economy, but for potentially the entire world economy, if the gold standard, literally, figuratively, but not literally, but the gold standard, the, the most reliable, strongest, biggest economy in the world was no longer able to, to pay its bills. Uh, it's always been a bipartisan issue, uh, but right now, Republicans, uh, they've been cut out of the reconciliation. They've not been asked to participate. You know, None of their priorities are being included. Uh, the Democrats went alone on that. And so they've said, well, you know, you're on your own on this one as well. This is literally the only leverage they have right now. And so uh, where we where all these things come together, and they have to come together at some point, especially the debt ceiling and the continuing resolution, uh, it's really unclear. It's the subject of round-the-clock meetings and conversations on Capitol Hill and with the administration right now, um, and, and it's by far the, the biggest, most all-consuming thing I've seen uh, happening on the Hill in, in many years. No, well, let's uh, hope... That the, the the bad scenario doesn't come to pass. Um, you know, question for you, Todd. How how does all of this impact the fact that uh, Medicare payments to physicians are scheduled to fall at the end of the year? That that's you're absolutely right, Todd. I mean, we we forget with all this stuff going on that you know uh, payments are scheduled to be cut uh, under Medicare uh, more than nine percent under current under current law. If you remember that at the end of last year. Uh, in the face of pending cuts that were uh, caused by budget neutrality, uh, and also obviously the fiscal pressure practices had been under uh, with the with the disruptions in care due to uh, the the pandemic, uh, Congress provided an additional Medicare payment bump, if you will, of 3.75 percent uh, at the end of the year. They also suspended the two percent sequester, which is basically an across the board cut that's been with us in Medicare for a decade now. Uh, so that effectively provided another 2% increase in Medicare payments. 
added on to that during the year in passing some of these COVID relief packages, um, there is a PAYGO reduction, which is you know a requirement that we pay for a bunch of what we spend. And so Medicare payments are scheduled for an additional 4% across the board cut uh, due to the PAYGO requirements at the end of the year. So it totals overnight almost almost 10%, uh, almost 10% in pending in, in pending cuts. Um, and the, the PAYGO cut is it's for a broad range. It's not just medicine, it's for a broad range of of federal payments, but it all adds up to a significant barrier, uh, a significant problem for uh, physician practices. Generally, and this is a good thing, and I think it's a, a testament to all the work that physician organizations uh, and AMA and, and all of our partners have done in bringing attention to this problem, there is broad bipartisan support for addressing uh, these, uh, these programs before the end of the year. However, if Democrats are worried about, you know, trying to keep the package, trying to shrink the package, they're not going to put something in there that costs billions of dollars that has bipartisan support. They figure we can take care of this at the end of the year. So it's disappointing, but it's not really surprising that uh, the cuts aren't being addressed uh, in the in the reconciliation package. But given the path that is on, uh, you know, that may actually be a good a good thing. Uh, we do think, though, that there is strong support for addressing this. Uh, at the end, at the end of the year, there will be an end of the year package, and we think that most, we hope, and we continue to work hard to make sure uh, that most, if not all, of these uh, potential Medicare payment reductions uh, will be addressed. But that's really our job as advocates uh, is to continue reminding members of Congress uh, that if they get through this reconciliation package, uh, their job is not done. They still have a significant responsibility to ensure the stability of the Medicare program to make sure that physicians can continue to afford uh, to take care of Medicare patients. You know, with everything that's going on, it just seems like uh, this annual exercise to prevent Medicare payment cuts. I mean, that, that's a tough situation. Why, why does this happen? Well, I mean, I mean, you're right. It's, 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 we're always patching this system up. It's created uh, the system that was passed in macro with good intentions to kind of put value in the system really ha has not come to fruition, largely because of how it's been uh, implemented. So that MACRA MIPS QPP program uh, that people are familiar with really has failed to meet uh, congressional intent. Uh, the program's complex, it changes frequently, frequently, it's burdensome, it's costly to participate in. Uh, it's got four different components that are really independent. It's like four separate programs you have to comply with. There's no real cohesiveness among those. And, and MACRO, remember, was supposed to kind of put us on a pathway, an on-ramp to a value-based payment system, but that's really not come to fruition, despite the fact that a lot of physician groups, a lot of physician organizations, like the AMA and the specialties, have worked very hard um, to put forward alternative payment models. Uh, they've been just largely ignored uh, by CMMI um, and, and those, those proposals haven't been adopted. So the system we have now that's constant patching and leaks and avoiding cuts is, is absolutely not sustainable. So how, how do you manage in this scenario, uh, Todd? What, what do you, uh, the advocacy team and AMA do given that to confront all of these issues which have really big implications for healthcare and physicians? Sure. And it's, it's not just us. It's working with our partners across the specialties and with the states and, and other organizations to kind of reimagine 
uh, the payment system and kind of think of one, what would it look like? How do we get to a system that's simple, uh, that's relevant for the providers that are participating in it, uh, that, that the different pieces are aligned um, and that the payments and the outcomes are gonna be predictable, right? We want a system that's gonna reward value as opposed to, uh, as opposed to right now, I think a lot of physicians feel like all they're doing is data entry. They get paid for doing data entry and the patient care is, seems really secondary to the program. Um, uh, we want a system that encourages innovation. Uh, we want practices to be able to redesign how they deliver care, including providing you know, services that are not traditionally covered by Medicare uh, to targeted groups of patients to, to improve their care. And practices obviously need financial st stability. We can't have these wild swings year to year. If, if practices are going to plan and implement innovation, uh, they've got to know uh, that they're going to have a steady and predictable reimbursement or payment uh, for, the, for the work that they're doing, for the care that's being provided. And we've got to meet practices where they are. Uh, you know, one size fits all systems uh, are, are not going to work for a system that is as diverse as the different types of physician practices. You have some very advanced practices uh, that can really take on a lot. They can take on a lot of risk. They can do some really amazing things. You have other practices who are much smaller. They can't take on a lot of risk, but they can provide really personalized, individualized care to their patients and can kind of build a care delivery around that. Um, uh, so, you know, those are the type of things that we're working to emphasize and to figure out how do you come up with a system that rewards those things as opposed to just uh, data entry and constantly trying to stop uh, cuts that are caused by, you know, uh, random, uh, you know, random events or, or we fix one thing and next year it causes another cut and you never know where the next cut is coming. So it's really critical, I think, to the future of Medicare and to the sustainability of physician practices in the long term. Well, Todd, thank you so much. And as you point out, the advocacy team and the entire federation for all the work they're doing to uh, advance, uh, you know, the voice of physicians in all of this. It's complicated and big implications uh, coming out of Washington right now. That's it for today's episode. Uh, Todd, we'll catch up with you as uh, this uh, situation develops in an upcoming episode. Uh, we'll be back soon with another movie medicine video and podcast. Never miss an episode episode by subscribing to AMA's YouTube channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.